This podcast is brought to you by PC component retailer and boutique builder Silver Knight PCs. Use offer code Broken Silicon to get six percent off everything on their website. And it is also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com that gets you great deals on Windows keys and other products. You can find links in the description and the proper offer codes for all of these sponsors, and we'll talk about them later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Highly Annoyed Tom, and today I am joined by my co-host... Uh, Highly Annoyed and Delayed Dan. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we are starting this recording, which we were expecting to be an easier episode, I don't know, an hour or so late at the night, because just, I don't want to get into it, because I, I like to avoid saying what went wrong until like a week after things happened to make sure I understand 100% what was going on, but, and I don't think it's in good taste to throw companies under the bus, but let's say one of the soft pieces of software we use to back up and record things over the cloud just decided to completely stop working right when we wanted to record. And, Which is always appreciated. Well, it's always very appreciated, and then I was just like, I don't know, Dan, give me a second. I just found an entirely other service, set up an account, and now we're, we're rolling. Yep. <laughs> So if there's any issues with this recording, whether it's lower video quality, whether there just turns out we don't have video when you're listening to this, know that we are always at least as annoyed as you are. And if there's no video this week, I guess what? We'll just draw some stick figures or something and have those be stand-ins this week, right? No, I think that would actually be more work <laughs> than me like doing something much simpler. Okay. No stick figures then. Uh, but... Do I sound okay, Dan? Is there any static? Is there any weird noises? I, Anything? I, I can hear you. So I, I okay. think we're and fine. There's no, like, but there's no like, this has happened, Dan, where it's just like like static whenever someone talks. No, I'm, I'm not hearing any of that. <laughs> okay. Well, before I just punch a hole in the wall, let us get into the reader mails. Dr. Forbin writes in and he says, I wanted to take a minute and give condolences to Tom and his family for their loss of Reese. Being a supporter, it's tough on us too because Reese will be missed. And I really thank you for sharing her with us as long as you could while she was a member of the channel. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I figured we'd throw in this reader mail just to acknowledge and yeah. some, a fan, you know, writing in. Thank you for writing in and sharing your condolences, Dr. Forbin, but also just because. You know, I put out an update on the Moore's Laws Dead Patreon first, then the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, then the YouTube channel, which got, I think, more likes than most videos, meaning it seems like most fans who are subscribed to the Moore's Laws Dead channel on YouTube saw the update. But I also thought it would be good, you know, because like during the recent live stream, someone mentioned, where's Reese? And I was like, uh, I don't know where you've been, but yeah. I thought it would be good to open up the episode by making that clear so that it's most... It's very hard for you to not know the news by now that Reese lost her battle to cancer of, uh, you know, a week or two ago. And it was a long time coming. Uh, and the one good thing about cancer is you have time to prepare for it mentally. So it wasn't really a shock, although it was a really rough week. And that's why you saw no content drops for like an entire week there. <laughs> yeah. Over Thanksgiving break, which 
at least you were here, Dan, physically, and so was our family, so that made it a little easier. But yeah, we're rolling forward. There's a uh, new silly dog that uh, I'm looking to adopt, not because I intended to adopt the dog so quickly, but because um i mean you know just right away honestly i come from a we dan we come from a family of crazy dog people so if there's any chance anyone in our family or even some of our friends are looking for a dog our mom our dad our it's friends parents even time. sometimes <laughs> it's just i'm getting links of dogs in the area like you could adopt i've been getting links of dogs in the area all year from family members even though i'm like i don't know if i want to adopt one right now and we figured you know it's not about when you adopt a dog. It's about if the right one comes along. And we think the perfect one popped along right away. Yeah. So I don't know when you'll be seeing Jesse on camera much. She appeared in the live stream briefly. You want to go check that out. But she'll probably start appearing here and there within a month. But she is a puppy. She's insanely smart. Uh, I have a dog seatbelt that I would use for Reese when I was driving with her in the car. Jesse has figured out how to undo the seatbelts. She almost knows how to open up doors. And honestly, I don't have a, I don't know. I, she, the list of things of less than one year old dog has already figured out how to do is ridiculous. Yeah, she seems pretty smart, and I don't know. She, she likes being around, so I won't be surprised if she just randomly pops up in the background at some point in this episode too, or something. Because she is a, I don't know. She, she, she likes uh, being near people. <laughs> Well, and I do have a camera downstairs, so if every now and then I look distracted like I do right now, it might just be me looking downstairs to make sure, which I wanted a smart dog, but the downside is they just sometimes decide to take things apart, making sure, yeah, it looks like my kitchen is still intact, that she's not downstairs doing something terrible, so. Which, hey. Yeah. That's good, I guess. <laughs> that's good. It's, it's good she's not doing that right now. Let's not reward her until... uh until the podcast is over and I can verify my house is mostly in one piece. <laughs> um, but all right, let us move on from that and just uh, jump uh, right into the corrections. So Falto writes in and he says, in Broken Silicon 181, you guys talked about the Joy-Con drift. It wasn't 181, was it? It would have been... Oh, he's probably talking about me and Hogue. It says, you and Hogue talked about the Joy-Con drift issue. I'd like to add on to that conversation. Nintendo actually has quietly changed a component of the Joy-Con regarding the thumbstick, but sadly, it was only for a Skyward Sword model, not all newly made Joy-Cons. And he has links, and we'll put those in the description talking about this. It says, also, I'd like to mention that Sony, whose DualSense models suffered from just they actually quietly changed all newly made controllers after a certain point, I believe it was early this year when the changeover happened, and never publicly stated this. To tell if you have the new model, you need to look at the back of the controller where it says FCC ID. At the end of that ID, if it's an A, then it means you have a newer model which seems to have less drift. Now, this this conversation came up when me and Hogue were talking about kind of the things NVIDIA would be doing to avoid, to give as little ammunition to lawyers as they can who might file a lawsuit against them for the 16-pin issues, which I hypothesized or that may be a reason they took so long to respond, maybe why they haven't really officially said that there is any issues with the 16-pin port, even though they're probably going to have an updated version of it come out from SIG, is probably because they just don't want to say anything wrong or 
even accidentally say something to the effect of we are changing something because that would admit mm-hmm. they knew something was wrong or they acknowledged something was wrong. Actually, since then, though, I believe Sig has said, you're all plugging things in wrong. It's your fault. So I don't know that any change will come to the 16-pin standard in the short term. Uh, so for the 16-pin, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be nice if they had a minimum change to design so it was more obvious or, or gave was more obvious when things were correctly seated. But, you know, I guess if they don't want to change it, they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of that conversation came up with, you know, a lot of people suppose that the reason Nintendo hasn't updated the Joy-Cons is because technically it should pass what they believe they could reasonably prove in court is a reasonable amount of longevity. And if they were to update the parts, then that would maybe give ammunition to lawyers that, oh, there was something wrong, you just updated it, but... um I don't know. It sounds like they did it for Skyward Sword, so <laughs> I'm not really sure what that's about, though. I, I I continue to doubt that the reason they haven't updated the Joy-Con is simply because uh, they just want you to buy more of them. But I don't know. The fact that Sony's does it and they're done it and they're not getting sued, maybe it is they just don't care and they want you to buy a bunch of Joy-Cons for a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know. The, the stick drift issue is a really annoying one that I wish they would just resolve honestly because i don't know if you had the, uh, you said you had it with one of your ps5 controllers? yeah one of my ps5 controllers just is unusable no oh. <laughs> yeah i don't think i any of mine do but i think i have like three or so um so like it's been less used probably than you using one controller and i never saw drift issues until like halfway through the ps4 generation or like I've never really seen it in controllers until halfway through a generation, whether it's Xbox or PlayStation. But I guess if you have one controller, you've already ran into it. So there you go. Yeah. And when I say unusable, like I, I, I mean, if I'm not touching the stick, like I just turn like that quickly, like it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a problem. Oh, I believe you. Um, but okay. I guess the new ones, Dan, if you give them more money, at least though, won't have the issue unlike with Nintendo where they will never fix it. It seems unless you buy a special edition controller. Um, TMC Payton writes in, and he says, In Broken Silicon 180, a question was asked about 40 frames per second modes on console, and that being the midpoint between 30 FPS and 60 FPS. Tom claimed the midpoint is 45 frames per second, which, in my own defense, I'm only claiming 45 is halfway between 30 and 60 people. Um, But he says, looking at frame times, not frame rates, it should be known that 40 frames per second is actually the midpoint between the two. 33.3 33.3 milliseconds at 30 frames per second, 16.6 milliseconds at 60 frames per second, and 25 milliseconds at 40 frames per second. Looking at the graph of y equals 1 over x, this explains the diminishing returns of higher FPS when it comes to frame times and the midpoint not being halfway, uh, unlike with frames per second. So did you look into this at all? Because I actually have a pretty lengthy thing to add on to this. I wanted to throw that at you just so you'd look into it as well. Though. I mean, no, that that's not wrong. Like... Frame times are, if you divide 1,000 by 40, you get 25 frame uh, milliseconds. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to a developer, though, and asked what he thought, you know, should we be going for 45 versus 40? And I'm almost exactly quoting him here. I, I 
changed it a little bit, but he says, my personal thoughts are that 40 frames per second should be the new ideal for games that can't hit 60 easily, as it's directly between 60 and 30, at least in terms of frame times. Also, 40, it divides evenly into both 120 and 240 hertz displays. Perceptually, I find that 4K 40 frames per second feels closer to 4K 60 gameplay than to 4K 30, but the problem with 40 frames per second is actually that 60 hertz display standard. Game developers are very sensitive to making sure they can guarantee a standard experience to all gamers, and the adoption of HDMI 2.1 has been a major hurdle in the adoption of 40 hertz as a game standard. For instance, in the game I'm working on right now, it hits 60 frames per second in Unreal Engine 5 at most times, but there is a single heavy vegetation area that blends between two post-processing volumes and loads an entire region of assets that brings performance below 40 frames per second at times. These situations happen in games which can interfere with the guaranteed experience for gamers. And currently, the fact that many TVs don't support 4K 120 makes users choose between enabling 4K 30 in the settings or 1440p 60 or even 1080p uh, or even 1080p 120 or 60 at times instead of having access to 4K 40. And that's likely the biggest barrier to the sort of 40 frames per second, not 30 frames per second adoption, I think should personally happen sooner rather than later. And I never considered those aspects, you know, only a developer would probably think of, which is 40 divides into 120, Mm -hmm. right? So that's really nice. Uh, But unless you have an adaptive sync 4K 120 hertz TV, even though those are pretty much just the standard of high-end TVs now, it's a major issue for them. I think that I thought that was really interesting. Ah, no, it does need to be noted, I guess. And I, I guess it's nice as time goes on, more and more people are just getting 120 frames per second because I think that's, I don't know, more so starting to become a standard feature versus uh, 60 frames per second. Although, still have to wonder. I bet most TVs being sold these days are still 60 hertz, but. I don't think so. I think most of them come with a 120 hertz mode they unless should. they're very budget. <laughs> they should. Uh, but but sometimes it's just 1080p 120. Not all of them could do 4K 120. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of... I mean, yeah, like, for example, uh, I just got... Actually, my girlfriend got me God of War Ragnarok for my birthday, and I was playing it, and it had, like, six different frame rate options. And one of them was, um, like favoring frame rate uncapped and i tested it and it's typically running dynamically around 1440p because my lg tv lets me test this which is cool it's running around 1440p 80 90 most of the time and i've got to say with adaptive sync with all of the little tweaks that you know the developer can do for this one model running at these settings it looks super sharp and it definitely (laughs) feels better than 60 i yeah i really wish adaptive sync 4k 120 could just become the gold standard because you're seeing even console games make good use of this but the reason not every developer does this is apparently i don't know i i really wish it was like 1440p dynamic resolution 120 and then 4k 40 hertz minimum dynamic resolution that'd be really nice and it seems like this developer i talked to he's like oh yeah we all wish we could do that but different hdmi standards just aren't really letting it's a hindrance mm-hmm. to making that an option. It takes extra work. I mean, it, it, it's nice to see it adopted as a feature in some games, especially uh, with this new console generation where 
you know, I, I think a lot of people are at different uh, points with what they have for their TVs uh, or monitors. So it, it's nice when a dev can embrace that and, uh, you know, give people something between like as many options as there are reasonable on a console between uh, 1440p and 4K with variable frame rates. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I guess just let me remind people of that. Of all the hardware things you can buy, a good monitor, let me tell you, even running on a 400 I guess because the disc, $500, PS5, God of War Ragnarok at this mode looks incredible up there with the best PC games running on my 4090. Yeah. Even though I have a nice, you know, studio, color-accurate, 4K 120 IPS monitor, I'm telling you guys, Get a nice monitor before you get a 4090, you know, or something even like even like a 6700 XT or something, right? Like this, this is something you want. It really still can look incredible even with a console. And I'd rather have a PS5 in an OLED TV, just saying it, than like a 4090 in a cheap monitor. Easy, easiest decision of my life. Well, yeah, it's like oddly a thing. I, I don't know. Some people seem to not think about it. Just. You know, having a nice monitor before you even think about getting a graphics card, because really the biggest the biggest potential bottleneck of a system is your monitor. If uh, mm -hmm. if you have a 1080p 60 monitor, it doesn't matter what frame rates and uh, resolutions you can push. Although I'm, I don't think I'm suggesting there are many people getting 4090s that have a 1080p 60 monitor. Although no, maybe one. That's something I don't. <laughs> I, no, but that's something I believe I saw a couple of tech tubers make fun of um, la maybe a couple years ago was you don't see that as much anymore. Not tech tubers, but like more casual PC websites uh, or, or like someone who like is a writer on IGN who just was handed the job to do a PC video. Mm -hmm. And now many of those people like received a free 3090 and like we're gaming on a 1080p 60 monitor like. I don't think most people listening to this podcast do that, but I have seen it, Dan. That's all I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's happened. But as you might expect, it was people that didn't have to buy it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I I stand corrected on the difference. I, I guess I'm technically right, literally, from frame rates from 45 is the midpoint between 30 and 60. But, yeah, the frame time thing I did not know about. And thank you for the correction, uh, TMC Payton. And I hope you appreciated the extra effort I put into making sure the correction was well-rounded and brought even more information to the table from a developer. But um, continuing this conversation, Braz Ghost writes in and he says, Hello, Tom and Dan. I do feel the it should be kept at 60 hertz is a wrong perception. So this is going back to where we were talking about a 40 hertz should be a new standard for consoles. And I said... I basically said, get good and just make it 60 developers. That was my opinion. But he says, I have a few buddies that are not hardcore gamers. They're the ones that just sit down and play after work or class. Uh, I put them to the test with what they preferred when I showed them the difference between 30 and 60. The 30, I set to as high settings as possible with more details, including ray tracing if possible. And then I did 60 with as high as I could do, hitting a solid frame rate on that as well on my PC. They And he, has a, he had a 3080, by the way, and 5800X or 1500X 3D. I believe. And he said, all my friends picked 30 because they found it way prettier with the shadows, etc. When I told them about the difference, they were like, oh, I do see the difference, but I don't really notice when playing. The other one just looks better. And I kind of came to the conclusion, even though this was just a small sample size, that frame rate does not matter to the average gamer. Looks matter, though it might have mattered because I asked to compare. 
So, yeah, and I just, I don't know, Braz Ghost, I feel skeptical of what you said because, like, we listen to some podcasts that aren't predominantly PC gamers, and even a lot of those people, like one of them is Colin Moriarty, said that he thought 30 hertz was fine, got a PS5 when that came out, and was like, never mind, everything <laughs> should be 60, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, I think a lot of the perception that came in the PS3 era, that 30 hertz is okay, or even, I love this term that never goes away and it never should, cinematic 30 hertz. Um, I love, uh, but you have to remember that back then, what they called 60, like Call of Duty on console games, sometimes it was, but often it was dropping to 30 or 40 anyways. And so if you had a locked 30 and a shaky 60, I think a lot of people back then thought, well, 60 is nice, but not essential. Now that we have like so many console and PC games that have no trouble hitting 60 hertz, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, and even these console gamers I'm bringing up, technically, I guess you'd say they're Hardcore gamers, even if they're not on PC because they play so much, maybe their eyes can detect it more than the average casual gamer. But I, I don't know. I, uh, I I think that it's easier to sell 30 hertz in a commercial because obviously you're not playing the game and it's a commercial. Mm -hmm. And we're fine with movies being at 24 hertz. But I I don't know. Do you agree? I just find it hard to believe he actually had a group of friends that didn't care about 60 hertz. I, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. It, it's I don't think I've really ever met anyone that has a hard time distinguishing between 60 and 30. E even if, like, you, at the even end like of the mom. day, you would prefer, like, higher quality at 30 FPS. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I guess let me make this one more one more argument here on this, too. I, I, I think I could... I understand also why on the PS3 and the 360 and... We, all the consoles before that, and even graphics cards. You, again, go look up graphics card reviews in the mid-2000s. A lot of reviews say we were able to hit 30 hertz, which feels great. Like They just said that. that 60 hertz as a standard is a fairly recent luxury. Um, but back then, we were getting so much better graphics every year that I feel like the difference between 30 and 60 looked a lot better. Uh, visually yeah that's true. however now we're hitting diminishing returns in graphics I, the difference between medium and ultra now is not what it was i mean it's 10 years ago so i think make it 60 please especially on a lot of games and uh resolutions where if you're gaming at like 1080p and 1440p like i think the differences for some settings will literally be imperceptible <laughs> at those mm -hmm. resolutions so yeah, I, I'm going to choose losing literally no graphical fidelity uh, for a higher frame rate in a lot of contexts. And yeah, e even so, like the difference between ultra and high in most games is it's pretty hard to tell in most games unless you're like f freezing frames and looking to find even the micro Even then it can be with a freezed frame. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think that's something that plays into my argument here too, is it's like we're getting to higher and higher levels of diminishing returns, but the different, you know, the difference between having double the frame rate, I, I don't know, medium to ultra isn't what it used to be. So I say go for 60. Um, although I, I think having 40 Hertz as a standard now, if they could make it one would be a nice option. And I just want 30 to die <laughs> now. Yeah. I, I can't stand it. Even in like games like, you know, until dawn or, uh, Detroit Become Human or Heavy Rain, that type of like interactive thing. 
I, I just can't stand 30 hertz. Even even in like, like games that barely have gameplay. I cannot stand it. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay. Let us then move on to the first story here. Story number one. Moore's Law is Dead leaks Ryzen Zen 4 non-X release date pricing and clock speeds. All right, here we go. On the 1st of December, yours truly of the Moore's Law Z team leaked the following Ryzen 7000 details. Ryzen non-X SKUs will be launching on January 10th, and not only to OEMs, as some people speculated. There will be the R9 7912 core that should hit 5.4 gigahertz boost, 5.4 gigahertz boost, have a 65 watt TDP, and have a price between $400 and $460. There's the R7 7700 that hits 5.3 gigahertz boost, 65 watt TDP again, and should be priced between $310 and $350. Then there's the R5. 7600 that will have a boost clock up to 5.2 gigahertz 65 watt tdp yet again pricing 220 to 250 dollars so the reason i have a range on this one specifically is just like actually with like raptor lake and a few other and alder lake i would take out the pricing very close on that one is i don't know what amd will decide to say the msrp is <laughs> what i do know is what they're selling these two yeah, what they're selling these two retailers for before the retailers add a markup. So I would suggest the 7900 is likely to be below 450, likely to be above 410. I would suggest the 7700 is likely to be closer to 330 to 350 and the 7600 230 to 240 or 50. But technically, I know where they could go if they wanted to have very little markup. And so to recap, though, what I know is that the boost clocks of the 12 eight and six core non-X models is 5.4, 5.3, and 5.2 gigahertz respectively. They all have a 65 watt TDP. Although remember, you can change the TDP in any high-end motherboard setting. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're, you know, a 15 to 30% haircut in price compared to the X variants. And also interestingly, AMD is subsidizing the cost of the X variants right now. That's why they're cheaper. And that subsidy expires in the middle of January. Now, I'm warned they could extend it. Nothing's stopping AMD from extending that subsidy. But I would argue that would be silly if they've been if they would be subsidizing prices for like three months in a row over an official price drop. And so I would suggest if they really do launch something like a $440,7900, or $330 maybe even $7700, and $240,7600, they should probably drop the 7950X to $600, 7900X to $480, 7700X to $380, and 7600X to $280. And uh, outside of that opinion, I don't know what else there is left to say. It seems that AMD can, as we on Moore's Laws that have consistently reported for the past few months, easily afford to do a price drop on these X SKUs, whereas Intel cannot due to already reporting in their earnings razor-thin margins, unlike AMD, uh, for some of their products they're selling. And things are about to get much worse than the non-X X3D and cheaper motherboards arrived by boat in January for AMD products. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll leave it to you, Dan. Um, this pricing, these models, what are your thoughts? I mean, what are your thoughts on these models of themselves, by themselves? And then what do you think about what this means for Raptor Lake? Well, I uh, um, I think with the uh, price drops for the, uh, or temporary price drops we've seen on like Newegg and Amazon, it, it kind of pushes the like recommendation equation pretty heavily towards AMD to begin with already. Um, and it would be nice if those prices remain low on the X models, but 
if they release like these three non-X models at, and they're in the middle of that price range, like you said, so like $440 or something for the 7900 I mean, that's kind of just getting to the prices you and I had talked about that we wish the X mm-hmm. models were at already. And they're dropping uh, free, uh, clock speeds by like 2%, a little under 2%. I mean, it kind of yeah, just... The, I'm sure the base clocks will be lower, that's, but remember, oh, that's you true. can set... You can set a higher, you can turn on precision boost overdrive for these, I think, or at least set a higher TDP in the motherboards. Anyway, so whatever, you know, it'll be like 2% worse for each one or something. Yeah, it kind of just turns into uh, almost a blanket recommendation, I think, then for getting the non X models like the 7600 with uh, like a cheaper B650 motherboard, sounds like. If you're insisting on getting a newer generation uh, CPU, it sounds like the obvious choice. I mean, I still think 5600X or something would is still a viable option, obviously. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, if you're the 7700 is probably one of the best gaming CPUs, if not the best you can get without really having any compromises and. Versus something like the 7700X, I don't really know what you're compromising on. Like, I guess in, in a game, instead of getting 120 frames per second, maybe you'll get 119, 119.5. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think what you'll get is 200 frames and 198 frames in some games. In most games, you'll be 400 or 380. You know, <laughs> like these, these CPUs are all yeah. so overkill for gaming. And they have been for several generations now. Yeah, so uh, I I think those Nonix models kind of just sound like their uh, Zen 4 is getting to the price we wish it was at. Uh, they're just, you know, releasing another model instead of officially decreasing the prices to those prices we were hoping they would be at to begin with. Yeah, and when I go to AMD.com, you know, that was something I think we talked about these price drops two weeks ago, but they weren't like officially on AMD's website now, but the, uh, then, but mm-hmm. now they are. And, and Amazon, what's interesting actually is it's already sold out, but on the official, this isn't AMD.com. This is the official AMD store on Amazon. The 16 core was 550 and that sold out immediately, which I'm sorry. I, I don't know how you're choosing any of these Raptor Lake high end models when that's 16 cores. These half the energy is five hundred and fifty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the seven nine fifty X price cut that we saw. I think you and I both agreed that that was probably like mo- fifty dollars more than they really even had to do. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nice to see. Yeah, and so again, I just want to point this out to people. I am sure the margins on the seventy nine hundred XT and the seventy nine hundred XTX that's about to launch are. Up there, the Lisa Sue tax we all expect around forty five percent margins, or I would say at least above thirty percent for them, and those have three hundred millimeters squared of uh, five nanometer silicon, uh, the Navi thirty one mm-hmm. configurations. The seven nine fifty X has total one hundred and forty millimeters squared, <laughs> and then you know what the uh, and the I O controller we're talking about like about 200 millimeters squared, I think, or somewhere around there, of 6 nanometer silicon on Navi 31 as well. So you got 200 millimeters squared of 6, uh, 300 of 5, with a 7950X, 140 of 5, and I think 120 of 6. 
And yet they're selling it for $575, and they don't even need to include a cooler. So I just want to point out, again, anyone debating if AMD is making good margins, I think at these prices, AMD's probably got a 45% margin anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what I would suggest AMD should do once they launch the non-X is by the time they launch those on January 10th, as I leaked, um, you know... The products will have been out, what is that, October, November, December, three and a half months or so. Yeah, almost exactly three and a half months in, months in term of uh, late, uh, weeks. Um, I would suggest they should just put the X models slightly higher than what their sales prices were. So instead of mm-hmm. $574, $599, instead of $474, $479, you know, and so on and so forth for all these models so that it was technically a sale. If you got it, then it was a better deal. But if you waited, there's nothing to complain about. and. I don't know. I, I I just don't. I have a feeling I won't be recommending Raptor like for almost anyone at this point. If if the seventy seven hundred yeah. is the same price as the i five seventy seven hundred, if you're just doing gaming seventy six hundred X, which actually we'll get to that in the sales update, also sold out on Amazon. Um, so it was all pricing. It was all fifty bucks is what people cared about apparently. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's for most things components being sold today. That's really is the uh the important issue like it's just uh, is this more expensive than i think it should be and are there be- uh, other options available because if both of those things are true then yeah you're gonna go with whatever the overall platform cost will end up being cheaper um and you know for the first bit that raptor lake and zen 4 were available for i think raptor lake was uh, from a price perspective the better option uh and now amd just needed to adjust its pricing a little bit and it's selling and it's selling out which yeah that's not really a a surprise to me um just it would be hopefully those prices hold or hold relatively close to what they are doing right now Mm -hmm. well yeah and you know another reason i didn't do a video on it um these price drops at besides the podcast uh coverage of it is I wanted to see what happened to AMD.com's website because they said Black Friday sale. And I was like, hmm. And then I waited and it said holiday sale. And I'm like, so they just changed. Who knows what they'll say after holiday sale in January or something. <laughs> but I think that's where it starts to become absurd. If it's like Valentine's Day it's sale. It's the Three Kings Day spe- uh, ho- uh, holiday special. They go to Mayo sale. They just keep <laughs> they just keep changing the banner. Well, you know, um, if they can tell you, if they can tell you, minus 10 percent or i think it's a little funny from amazon minus 28 percent or whatever they say the 7950x is they're gonna advertise it as a sale because well you don't want to miss out on that deal that's never going away tom mm-hmm. you know and, and i guess the one thing i want to say about this is i was never quite sure how they would handle this where they just let retailers sell it for less would they we now know they did subsidize the cost to try to get more market share. And all of this was kind of balancing. Do they want to save chiplets for Genoa sales, eventually for dragon range sales for laptop? Do they really care if they lose a little market share in desktop? Cause arguably they were selling, they weren't selling as well as Raptor Lake, but I've gotten some more sales data in him overall for the year. Raptor Lake slightly outsold Zen four. And well, as of like a, a week or two ago, I, I don't know, maybe it's now not hasn't, but you know, and like, but maybe Amy doesn't care if they lose 10% do-it-yourself market share if they have more yields for Genoa. But 
the same time, I always wondered why they didn't do pricing like this. Like again, six hundred for the sixteen core, like five hundred or four fifty for the twelve core. Because even though they could be using these yields for Genoa, this is the start of a new platform. And if you get someone to buy AM5 now, we just upgraded to Zen 3, Dan. I mean, you could have people buying AMD chips for their motherboard for five years. I thought it was odd they weren't more aggressive in pricing. Like, go down to whatever margins are the minimum you'll accept for Zen 4. Zen 5 is going to be way better. But if you get people to buy in now, they'll be way more likely to buy Zen 5 6, 7 for the next five years. I just thought it was so weird they kind of, like, were scared to charge less for, like, the 7600X and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that just speaks to... I, I, I don't think they thought... uh raptor lake would be as good as it tur as good as it turned out to be and uh a lot of people just decided to not buy uh not buy zen 4 because people are kind of expecting a price drop because they've been offering the same core counts now for what three generations mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think also again yeah, you know, I was talking to a contact today about this. I think AMD thought they could just be Intel. Like mm -hmm. they thought, you know, during the co uh, Coffee Lake era, there was the six core, only six threads i5, I think 8600K for like 300 bucks or 250 to 300, somewhere around there. And meanwhile, AMD had like the 1600X and 2600X selling for like 200 with six cores and 12 threads. And it was like, well, you know, the i5 may cost more and use more energy and have 30% less multi-threading performance or more, but it wins in gaming by 10%. So it's okay that Intel's charging more for it. Mm -hmm. And I think AMD said, well, the 7600X costs a little less than the i5, uses half the energy the i5 does, and wins in gaming by 10%. This is just like what Intel did before, except now we cost a little less and use half the energy. And I guess people aren't ready for that. They always expect AMD to have more multi-threading performance, uh, no matter what. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess this was the first generation where AMD was kind of humbled, and they needed to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they needed to be. <laughs> Again, yeah. I'm like, why can Intel charge five? I mean, I just... I, well... I mean, I, I think maybe you're, I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm just so annoyed that like there is a double standard. There is a double know? standard, but uh, or there was. I guess we'll see. I I think Intel has been humbled over the past four years to an extent too. True. So we uh, you have two competitors now that I think are more or less on equal footing at least for the past couple generations, and we can talk about like yeah, Alder like also came out. A decent amount later than Zen 3 but I think you still have more or less equal competitors uh, one of them can't be cocky because every generation mm -hmm. their CPUs are, are really neck and neck and you know we're, we're, we're really uh, we're really cutting our hairs here when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about which one is quote unquote better at this point well, and I guess to make a pro Intel argument here, I was really annoyed when Alder Lake came out and everyone was still kind of recommending Zen 3. And I'm like, guys, Alder Lake's better at everything. 
<laughs> what are you doing? And they were like, yeah, but I'm scared of e-cores. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, so to be fair, this happened to Intel and now it's happening to AMD. And I think, but, you know, I think Intel learned back then as well, even if I don't agree, just kind of like I don't agree now on AMD's side, I think Intel learned back then that just because you have an Intel badge does not mean you get to charge more for an i5 that uses more energy and has new cores people see as scary. Yeah. This piece of content is brought to you by Silver Knight PCs. Silver Knight PCs is a disabled, veteran-owned GPU and CPU retailer, PC repair shop, and boutique PC builder that is located in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but they ship globally, so if you are in the area, drop by their location to pick up reasonably priced components to upgrade your PC and know that all of these components come with up to a three-year warranty, and even refurbished products have warranties on them, and you can trade in your own parts for refurbishment as well, or contact them online and ask them about anything else you want them to do for you, including building a custom PC designed just for you. They're very easy to talk to. The owner of the company even sat down with me for a broken silicon last year and had a candid conversation about GPU shortages during the GPU shortages. They really are on the side of the consumer and they really do put a lot of effort into making everything they sell the best it can be for their buyers. And I know this from firsthand experience. I got my RTX 49 Supreme Liquid, the one that I am using to render this video in my PC here, and before sending it, they upgraded the thermal paste and thermal pads, and, well, you can watch the process online. It's actually really cool, and the thing, well, I can tell you that it just doesn't get hot no matter how much power I let the dang thing use, and I can let it use a lot of power. So whether you're in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, and you want to pop in to buy a graphics card, or you want to custom order something from them online, click the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 6% off all orders using this offer code BROKENSILICON. Silicon helps me a lot and it helps them. And I am genuinely happy to finally get their sponsorship as they really are a business that I can stand by as high quality and of genuine reliability. Go to Silver Knight PCs and use offer code Broken Silicon today. And I am turning off this discussion mm -hmm. as we move to story number two. December GPU, CPU supply, and pricing update. As has become a standard update in quarter four broken silicon episodes across the board, let's once again talk about the notable sales and pricing updates on the gaming components we love to discuss. The RTX 4080 is still an unmitigated sales disaster. This writer can honestly say that he has not seen a launch go this badly in his life. The RTX 4080 remains relatively easy to get around MSRP in nearly all regions two weeks after launch. Before we started recording, I checked Newegg. Go buy 4080 for $1,200 you can. Uh, I haven't seen that happen. Two weeks of easy purchasing on a new electronic ever. Usually it's like two weeks after it's easy to get. First day it's easy to get but sells out. Generally speaking, you're just able to get a 4080 around MSRP. And it's been a problem for retailers. Retailers have resorted to preventing cash returns of the 4080s at Micro Center and, I and Newegg, as reported by Moore's Lasdy. Uh, apparently, this is because half of the day one 4080 sales were scalpers that tried to sell 4080s on eBay for $2,000. No one bought them, and now they're demanding refunds for their cards that they tried to sell at a marked up price. And Newegg is saying we're not taking them back, which 
Good. And by the way, Dan, I noticed this on the recent live stream. I looked at the PS5 scalpers as well. There are scalpers trying to sell PS5s for six to $800 on eBay. Sony is selling the PS5 not marked up on eBay themselves. <laughs> Screw so, it. Why not? Just fuck these scalpers. And that's exactly what all these companies should do. AMD should make their own eBay account, put graphics cards on eBay next to the scalpers, so should NVIDIA. I mean, why not? And just say, <laughs> if you search... Yeah, if you search for PS5 on eBay, the Sony one comes up, 600 bucks comes with Ragnarok and a headset. <laughs> or you can pay 650 for a scalped PS5. Like, just this, uh, it, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. But anyways, moving on to another sales disaster. Moore's Law's Dead can report that the A770 has had nearly no stock shipped compared to even the 4080, and yet... Multiple retailers have reported to me, the person reading this, that it's still hard for many locations to get rid of the A770s. Nobody wants ARC, even if they are collector's items in terms of rarity. And moving on to what you should buy right now for the price, the RX 6800 XT and 6900 XT are honestly seemingly selling out at $500 to $650 respectively. And it seems like AMD will indeed be able to successfully get rid of most of high-end RDNA 2 in preparation for the Navi 32 launch uh, two to six months from now. Meanwhile, the RX 6710 gigabyte, that is the cut-down 6700 XT, is an interesting 1440p option that comes with two games for $330. It's kind of becoming my default mid-range recommendation. And don't kill me when I bring this card up again. Let me finish, everybody. The RX 6500 XT is an interesting one to watch for ultra-budget shoppers, as I have seen it drop below $100 after rebate coming <laughs> with games. Meaning if you wanted Callisto Protocol and I think Saints Row, you're kind of getting the card for free. <laughs> so I don't know. That's And I've seen the 6500 XT at $150 quite often as well. So I don't know. Watch that one if you need something for an ultra budget build. Because if someone wants one of those games, you're kind of getting the card for free. Then moving on to the used market. The RTX 3060 Ti and the 6800 non-XT are the models to look out for in this writer's opinion. Um, I've seen the 3060 Ti close to $300 used and the 6800 400 or less used. It's always different. Like on the new market, the 6800 was a better deal, but then you wanted to use 6800 XTs. Now you want new 6800 XTs for 500 to 600 and use 6800s for like $400. Um, and then for CPUs, we've already discussed it, but the 7950X and 7600X are selling out. I believe the 7900X is selling out. It, honestly, it's hard for me to recommend anything in new builds besides either Zen 3 and Alder Lake that often comes with free motherboards now, or Zen 4 that is like 30% off. And at Micro Center, I think there's a free RAM deal again at these prices. So you get like $50 off a motherboard, the CPUs are 30% cheaper than what they were, and you get free 6,000 megahertz RAM. If you're doing a new high-end build, Zen 4 is the obvious choice, especially for my Micro Center. Use the Moore's Laws Dead links if you go there. Um, and I've also been alerted that if you are someone that went to Micro Center and got the CPUs before the discount happened, Micro Center should argue a payback. Mm. They'll just give you $50 back because the price dropped less than a month after you bought it. So. Kind of a disclaimer there as well. But I thought, you know, this is actually the last new news episode of the year, Dan. I thought it would be good to have a final discussion about the pricing of all of these different products on the market as they stand right now one more time. What do you think of all this? Anything that sticks out to you? Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's just the other 
finally drop uh, the other two finally dropping with prices on uh rdna3 at least i i actually don't know how ampere is holding up right now when it comes to pricing ampere seems it's to still hold, more than i think it should be ampere seems to be weirdly holding its value more than it should uh for some reason people are there's always something used from the ampere lineup on ebay that's a good get like mm-hmm. i think a month ago there were 30 60 12 gigabytes selling for like 250 in bulk there you go now there's 30 60 ti's for 300 get that but yeah like some of them are going up in price even on the used market again i think 3080s used are okay still but 3070s continue to be a bad buy to be honest which is funny because that was like the one ampere card i genuinely liked at msrp yeah thir- uh, yeah so looking at ebay 3080s are selling for around 650 right now so eh, probably 6900 xt new is a better yeah, choice i think so but um I, that, that, I don't know. That's what stands out to me for the most part is if you're looking for, if you need to get a new graphics card and you don't want to like take the dive and spend $1,600 on one, like the 6800 XT and the 6900 XT seem like the best options you have right now because everything else is just so stupid, <laughs> frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I The 4080 is just one of the most disastrous cards i've ever seen and hopefully uh, mm. so, we'll talk about it more later uh, with rev with reference to the 4070 ti ho- hopefully their hand is forced and they have to drop the price on that thing eventually because it might be a decent card at like 900 bucks or something but other than that Even i don't there, know man. it's like it depends what else is on the market because you can get a 6950 xt for like 800 dollars let me let me check i mean i have it pulled up for I think eight hundred new, yeah, eight hundred new comes with two games. You can get a six nine fifty XT from AMD's own website for eight hundred bucks. It's hilarious how even that kind of the card that was never meant to be good price performance looks decent compared to a forty eighty. Forty eighty is probably like twenty percent better than that. So, and it actually, yeah, uses about the same energy and has the same amount of RAM. So you're paying 50% more for 30% more performance. Doesn't come with a free game. Might not fit in your case. And that's a bad... I don't recommend the 6950 XT generally. Like, uh, And I think the 6900 XT, is that sold out? They had one there. It is. The 6900 XT was 680 from AMD's own website. Almost half the price of a 4080 for like, you know, 75% the performance, same amount of RAM. So yeah. it's just so hard to write. That's how bad the 4080 is. Yeah. You normally expect a, a shift in, well, there has been a shift in price performance, to be fair. But, uh, you know, you kind of expect uh, newer generations to change that more. And it really hasn't. And they're just kind of making, the 4080 is just kind of making older cards look like a better option now you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like which we've discussed that may have been their goal but well i think they didn't expect it to be this much of the work this well to make you buy last gen yeah i know and i think they accidentally made it just made a amd just look like the good option because ampere like you said there are always one or two good options for ampere Mm -hmm. but rdna2 is all around i just think uh if you're not looking to get a 4090 is generally what people should be buying if they're getting new cards right now yeah and i mean like yeah there's always been like i had like a backup rtx 3050 i used for a while as you know i thought that was like kind of okay at 250 but i think 
I don't think that's there. Yeah, it's like around 300 and it's like, no, it's like now the 6,700 10 gigabyte is around 300. The 3050 is silly. Most of this, you know, and this was a calculated move by AMD. They were like, you know, NVIDIA's trying to maintain 10 to 20% profit margins on mm-hmm. the stuff they're selling. Uh, we're just going to accept 0% profit and get rid of everything this holiday season. And they're doing it and it's selling out. And it should be. This is, for most people, I think RDNA 2 is more than enough anyways. And at these prices, it's easy for me to recommend. It's why I made that video, don't wait for the 4070 or 4070 Ti, because we'll, we'll get to it in a second. You know, I just can't see how it's going to really make you feel burned assuming you actually need a card. Now, obviously waiting will always give you some benefit, but if you don't need a, but if you need a card now, there's no reason to be like, oh, I'm not going to game well this holiday season. Just get something now. There's so many good options. Yeah, and, and I think the ma- main thing you'll be losing out on is some uh, ray tracing performance with newer generations, but even then, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it, the, it's not, the increase uh, you're getting isn't, like a huge uh isn't completely different from like the raster performance difference like ray tracing isn't increasing that much quicker than raster is so i don't know with i guess with a 4080 or 4070 i should say you'll probably get slightly better than what you would have with like 3090 or something but i don't know maybe not that or 3080 maybe not that much better though (laughs) Yeah, and the only thing I have to report here is I was, I guess I won't say who, but yeah, I, I was talking to a contact um, who, let's say whose job is to follow this sort of thing. Um, and we, he was, me and him were talking about how we had both heard that it seems like more is coming in January from NVIDIA. So I just want to point that out too. I can't be 100% sure more RDNA 2 needs to get rid of and is on the way. Um, but when you see Ampere selling out, I think from the sound of it, NVIDIA has successfully sold off uh, at least half of like GA102 stock in this like overstock thing we've been talking about for six months now, (laughs) but that a new wave of cards is coming. Like just because it's sold out at Best Buy now does not mean they don't have another few boats of shipping containers of 38, like 3070s coming <laughs> yeah. to Best Buys in January. And from the sounds of it, they've still got a lot more coming January. And I think a lot of what they do with launch volume for the 4070 Ti and pricing is going to depend on, do we think we're almost through this or are we only halfway there? And that will tell us how much of a real launch the 4070 Ti has. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but don't count out that just because it's sold out now doesn't mean more is not coming up. Even Ampere is what I'm saying. Oh, I mean, yeah, we don't know how many warehouses left they have of it, and we don't know where the warehouses are, whatever. So, I don't know. It's really hard to guess how much more freaking stock Ampere has, because, you know, NVIDIA is kind of advertising, this is our, our lower-end stuff now for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, they openly put in the lineup 40, 90, 40, 80, 40, 80, because there were two, the 40, 80 brothers. And then 3080 and downward, they just openly said, don't wait, buy our old stuff mm-hmm. for the MSRP it's had for two years, which is ridiculous. But let, let me move on to some reader mails here. Uh, Max to the Max mm-hmm. writes in and he says, first of all, I was very sorry to hear about Reese. Her last days seem to have been full of love and compassion, though. May her memory be a blessing always. You know, I was thinking this, Dan, she kind of will live on forever in like dozens of ads <laughs> being a goofball. Yeah, that's true. The only thing I regret with Reese is 
I kind of wish I would have uploaded more videos to the community of like how smart she was because mm-hmm. it was hilarious the tricks she could do. But I don't know. I guess there's always time for me to do that in the future. Uh, but continuing to his real question here, thank you for the thoughts, Max, to the Max. I have some more thoughts on the 4080 now that the dust seemingly has settled on opinion. I think it's interesting to compare 40 series segmentation with 30 series. The verdict on the 3090 from at least Hardware and Box and other people I follow was that it wasn't enough of a performance game over the 3080 to be worth the price difference. Even before the 90 SKUs were introduced, NVIDIA would traditionally impose a steep premium on flagship SKUs when it comes to performance per dollar. This time, though, NVIDIA has done it the other way around. When I first saw the announcements and how different the CUDA core counts were between the 4080 and the 4090, I actually thought it was a positive that NVIDIA was separating the 90 and 80 SKUs and giving them both more of a reason to coexist, although pricing on both was still way out of the range I consider for a graphics card in general. However, your recent video, you mentioned that retail customers were entirely rejecting the 4080 and then asking when 4090s would be in stock or asking to buy a 4090 instead. My question is, is NVIDIA really all that heartbroken about this? Steve from Gamers Nexus assessed the 4080 pricing and said he felt like it was an upsell to the 4090. Well, I would stop short of saying that the shockingly poor 480 sales are some sort of 40 chess move by NVIDIA. It did ship fewer 4080s to retailers than 4090, so NVIDIA probably didn't intend to have a record-setting bad launch, but I don't think it would be too disappointed either. If I had to guess what Jensen is thinking, it's maybe... I don't know. I guess let's just move more of my wafer allocation to 8102 and let 8103 trickle off the shelves over the next 18 months. You want to give me $1,600 instead of $1,200? Who am I to deny you? (laughs) Again, not that this is some kind of grand plan, to be clear, but it does seem to play into NVIDIA's hands ultimately either way. Um, I mean, look, there's no doubt... NVIDIA wanted the price performance curve from 80 to 90 to be linear at best Mm -hmm. and that they felt they had to do this to get rid of Ampere. But at the end of the day, they paid to ship these cards and they haven't sold. And that is something no company ever wants to see. Yeah, and I I think you can view it as like playing into his hand or whatever. But this the reason this has happened ultimately is because they were stupid with how they uh, sold Ampere because they wanted to keep the price at that same level for the entire time it was sold. And now that's coming back to bite them where their new launches are failing because they have so much old stock from the... I mean, they have so much uh, stock from their older generations. Like, that's not a good thing. That's just, we planned this poorly and now we have to... Uh, use the 4080 as our sacrificial lamb to uh, mm-hmm. to get rid of our, of our Ampere stock. Yeah, and I still find it so... I think the biggest problem the 4080 has to NVIDIA is because it's selling so badly, it destroys their lineup. Again, mm-hmm. if they would have made the 4080 have the full die, pushed it with faster memory, made it 10% better than it is now, so that it was only like 20% away from the 4090, and then they called it the 4080 Ti... And then they called the 4080 12 gigabyte just the 4080 and made it like 800 bucks or $700. I think people would have let it pass. But that's not what they've done. They have gotten rid of their $900 option. And now their only 80 of the 80 brothers is 1200 and it isn't selling. So what do you do with the 4070 Ti? Because if the 80 was selling well, they would have said, we're going to price it at 800. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but it's not. Yeah. So it kind of destroys a lot of what they can do with the rest of their lineup. And I think it is going to force them to drop the price on the 4080. I just don't see how they can't. They can't launch a 4080 SE, and they're going to call their next card the 4070 Ti, as me and others have leaked. There's no room in between for another one. Yeah, and, you know, I've been thinking about this, too. Like, the the 80 series are 80 of every generation. That's what they always position as their flagship. Like, the 80 from uh, NVIDIA is, like, kind of a almost a brand in and of itself. And mm. they completely destroyed their flagship brand. This it's generation. kind of like what Intel did to the i7 yeah, with yeah. like against Threadripper. It just made i7 mean nothing to me. Yeah, and I think that's what they did with their uh, 80 lineup. And it, their their 80 series is going to look really bad this generation because the floor with what the 80 can be is way too high. Where mm-hmm. uh, 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 or yeah, the floor with the 80 is too high, at least from a price perspective. Performance perspective, maybe not, but now they're in this just weird gulf territory where they're going to have like a gulf that makes any 80 series card look stupid. So like they can try to release a 4080 Ti, but what is that going to be priced at? How powerful is it going to be? Is it going to be almost a 4090? It's just, I think every th- card in the 80 series looks kind of stupid. So you'll just have a 4090 and then like a 37 i mean not 30 a 4070 ti which is as strong as it can be for like 800 or 850 dollars or something stupid i think there's no way around it nvidia for everyone who wants to should remember this nvidia thought vega was going to be stronger than it was just like Mm -hmm. it seems like all of us were hoping it would be um you know they thought vega would beat the 1080 by at least 20 percent, and it only beat it by like five arguably zero percent um and so in preparation though they didn't know that's how it was going to pan out and i I, forgive them it had eight gigabytes of hbm and 12 teraflops (laughs) nvidia had reason to think vega would be stronger than it was um they dropped the 1080 to 500 they launched the 1080 ti at the same pricing that 4080 was at i would suggest what nvidia is probably going to do if they really feel they need to is something they actually thought they had to do before turns out they didn't um and drop the price of the 4080 probably to nine hundred dollars and then probably allow aivs to use smaller coolers so it's easier to do that mm-hmm. and then launch a 4080 ti whether it's an crazy overclocked 8103 model that actually adds 15 percent onto that die so that it can almost touch the 7900 xtx or more likely a cut down 8102 that they just price at 1200 the problem is, when do they do that? How much market share can AMD take before they do that? Because if they did it next month, they would look pretty silly. Mm-hmm. But I think we all know that's what they're probably going to do eventually, right? Yeah. Um, Kerry Nosugata writes in, and he says, the 4080 is poor value and clearly not selling. For the upcoming launch of the 7900 XT and XTX, would you expect there to be a knock-on effect on what type of models the AIVs prioritize? In the current market, I think it's clear that buyers are looking for value for the money more so than last gen, and I'd expect this to apply to the 7900 XT just as much as the 4080. If I was a retailer, the last thing I'd want is even more overpriced cards collecting dust on our shelves. To be clear, I'm not suggesting that the more expensive models won't sell at all, but that more expensive models will have to offer real, not superficial benefits to sell, and I wonder if AMD's AIBs are looking at 4080 sales and realizing this may be a little too late. I think that's an interesting question, honestly, but I think there's no way around it. I think initial sales... Well, actually, you know, it's kind of easy for me to answer this. 
I, most volume, I'm told, guys, directly, and I guess actually, write, let me write down a timestamp uh, for this. I, I am told that most volume, despite weird reporting out there against this, is reference models. So I don't think it matters. I think the reason you're going to see a lot of AIBs work on high-end coolers is because they can, and that's like 10% of the volume, and mm-hmm. they already have a decent reference cooler they can slap a Sapphire sticker on. So that, from what I'm hearing, in fact, what I heard is there's a chance like, Outside the U.S., almost no launch models will be non-reference. And in the U.S., it'll be a very small percentage that are non-reference as well. So, Kerry knows who got up. I think their hands are forced anyways with how late, uh, How I don't want to say behind, but how late in the year these cards are launching. I think they're mostly going to be referenced by default. Yeah. And as far as like the aftermarket models... I, I think we've talked about this before. I just don't. The, their place in the market is a bit tenuous where I feel like they're kind of just there as another option for people to buy when they're in stock, because I, I don't know. I don't know what benefit you're getting from most of those aftermarket models right now, other than like superficial difference in aesthetics and minor uh and a minor increase in like thermals or or or, or i shouldn't say increase a minor benefit to thermals is a better way to put it and other than that i don't know what the aib aftermarket models are really offering so i mean i think that this whole thing of them like selling a aib model that's i don't know 200 dollars or 150 dollars above msrp is kind of it's kind of tenuous. I don't know what value that's actually bringing to the market anymore. Well, I was going to talk about it with you later in the episode, but perhaps we should just talk about the story now then, mm-hmm. since we're on the subject. Let me move what was going to be story number five to now become story number three. Asus confirms custom Asus Tough RX7900 XTX clock speeds. Quoting from video cards, as reported last month, Asus was the first company to unveil its custom Radeon ARC 7900 GPUs. These tough gaming cards, TUF, are based on the 7900XTX and XT SKUs with a custom, Jesus, 3.6 thick triple flan design, also equipped with three 8-pin power connectors. Asus has now confirmed the clock speeds that will be applied on each of the four tough models. Asus official specs list so-called default and overclock modes. The latter is the highest official spec that can be applied through Asus software called GPU Tweak. The clock uplifts are as follows. I'm just going to go down the list here. So the Asus Tough XTX Overclock Edition uh, has a boost clock of plus 4.6%, a game clock that's 6.7% above stock, and in default mode, the boost clock's 2.6% above, game clock 4.1% above stock. And then there is the Tough XT Overclock Editions. The boost clock is 5.6% above stock. The game clock of the overclock mode is 8.7% above stock. And then there is the default modes that are 4.1% and 6.5% boost in game clock uh respectively so there you go it seems like aib clocks should be three to nine percent above stock and these aren't even the strix models either so we can probably expect some aib models that get to 10 percent above stock i would say but yeah in other words i would expect most aib models to indeed have notable factory overclocks unlike other generations but they're probably only going to give you three to six percent more performance above reference if they don't have faster memory 
Um, and the highest clock models are probably at most going to give you a 10% performance boost. Again, unless they use faster memory, but I'm not seeing anything here say they will. So we'll have to see how much gas is left in the tank. There's clearly some gas left in the tank, not 0%, like mm -hmm. some people were suggesting. But also, it does not seem like it is an easy 20% overclock either. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about this? You know, 7% uh, 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 or uh, that's the biggest One increase. One of them got to 8.7%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not a non-zero increase in, in uh, performance at all. That's definitely notable. But like, if the RAM isn't that much, isn't any higher clock, that's probably going to end up being, I don't know, maybe a 5% increase in performance or something. Uh, and I think you could probably make up for that with most reference models by just, you know, tuning the settings in Radeon software. Which they come with a 2.5 slot cooler, and I had no problem overclocking two slot cards 5 to 10%. I'm sure these will, the same TDPs of last gen, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, so it's like, I, I, I don't know what... There is a marginal benefit there, but I question how, how big it is if you have to get a card that's twice as big, spend, I don't know, what, $150, $100 more than uh, the reference design, and you're getting something, a default BIOS setting that, like, frankly, you could probably make up for by just pressing the overclock button in the <laughs> Radeon software that's available now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I don't know. I also have a link in the description uh, that shows Sapphire is already teasing VaporX. They haven't teased Toxic yet, but they're teasing VaporX Cooler. So, uh, and I've I've been tipped off actually. I, I think Sapphire is going to push one of these models really hard, maybe to 500 <laughs> watts. So we'll have to see how well that performs. I would just say out loud, it's probably too late because all decisions have already been made. I'm sure, but. We just say to Sapphire, this isn't worth 500 watts unless you're using 24 gigabit per second memory, 20% faster, because otherwise the bottleneck just probably is not the clock. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think you'll see those coming, and I think um, I think at the end of the day, what we can expect is a lot of the, the tough models do seem to use 3.6 slot coolers that will probably cost you $1,200. But most day one stocks should be reference design, I think. And if no one buy, it, you know what? This would be hilarious. Like, who's to say on day one we might not see all the reference type models that are eleven hundred dollars and less sell out, and then people treat the twelve hundred dollar models like the forty eighty, and then all AIBs realize, okay, well, time to stop production of that crap. Well, and frankly, the twelve hundred dollar models will be the 4080 so it's, it's not yeah. that much better really well they'll be like 50 percent better performance ah, or something that's but. true i guess if we're talking raster performance uh, it's that overclocked uh strix model or something is still probably better than the or not is it no it's not the strix the tough this model is the tough the Starting. strix we'll see how much that costs, yeah this, the tough model for like 1200 dollars or whatever it's like eh, still probably a better deal than the 4080 as it stands right now now, we don't know the pricing on this yet, though. Uh, I don't think. No, Let me no I pull... don't believe they said the pricing. I, I'm guessing right. the pricing. So if the tough model is like 1050 and it's like 5% above stock, eh, all right, whatever. But that, that, that's, yeah, if it's 1200 for that, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's a linear benefit. So if it's available for you and you don't care about spending 50 more bucks. And you can fit it in your case. And you can fit it in your case, I guess go for it. <laughs> 
Um, QH Freddy writes in and he says, uh, how do you think inflation would affect the $1,000 round cutoff you seem to think there exists where people actually think about whether they want to buy something? So this was a, a thing I suggested pretty heavily recently of like, I just think what we've learned, even though I thought it might be 600, then seven, then eight, what it turns out is once you hit a thousand dollars, no one blindly buys something. I, th- I think a lot of people are either used to buy an AMD or NVIDIA. Uh, Adored TV actually talked about this years ago too. Like, and they go, "What's my budget?" You saw this. I mean, you were mods on the top. We were advisors or whatever it was called on the Tom's Hardware forums like over a decade ago, and people would just be like, "I want to buy AMD. What should I buy for 120?" I mean, you were like, "Whatever they have for 120." Then, <laughs> like, same with Nvidia. It was usually Nvidia people too, and. Um, I think that most people say I always buy Nvidia. What's three fit? What's three hundred dollars? Oh, the RTX thirty fifty. Well, I'm buying the thirty fifty. Doesn't even look at the sixty seven hundred or six six fifty XT. Uh, I think that changes at a thousand. I think at a thousand dollars, people just go, "Nope, I did my research. I'm going to buy the best one." Yeah, it's a car. I'm buying. And as far as like how that changes with inflation, I don't know what you think, but like, mm. I, I don't think people perceive inflation as like, well, uh. Uh, the dollar is 7% less, so that means I should be willing to spend 7% more on everything. I think that you actually have the opposite effect, where mm. if you have buying power, your buying power for a dollar decreases by 10% or something, so you need to spend 10% more on all of your essentials, and your wages don't go up. What you have is people saying, my pocket is a little... I mean, my wallet isn't going as far anymore, so I can't spend as much on bullshit luxuries. So I, 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 I was gonna say, yeah, I, it's like my, my I buy chicken right now, and it seems like the chicken pricing has gone down a bit. Like it is, inflation is slowing down and even backstepping slightly. I mm-hmm. think you go, well, I have to spend twenty percent more on chicken now. I'm going to actually buy less expensive graphics cards because I don't need them. Yeah, because if you have a person that's making, uh, let's say, like $50,000 a year or something, uh, and now they're spending 30% more on gas, 20% more on groceries, do you think they're going to be like, well, I can also spend 5% more on a graphics card? No. Yeah. No, I don't (laughs) think they will. Um, And to directly answer QH Freddy's question, I think the cutoff stays. I think because people have less... (laughs) Well, yeah, but I think also the just directly, I think what it means is I think people will accept the minimum graphics card pricing a little more as it being raised just because, again, it's, it becomes like food. Well, the cheapest graphics card that isn't completely ridiculous, like, well, you can spend 120 get a 1630 or an A380, and it's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to buy those. They suck. I think the second the price performance curve isn't, god awful they just go to 300 and i think people will accept 300 dollars as the new lower mid-range whereas it used to be 150 um but i think the 500 round number and the 1000 stay mm-hmm. because they have less money to spend so th- i think those numbers actually just stay uh that yes companies will charge more because of inflation but also people are going to be a lot more discerning in what they're willing to spend at those round numbers i don't think they move mm-hmm. Um, at least not for a long time, I, I would say that. And, and it would be one of those things where, like, I don't know, what did it take, like, five to ten years for us to accept smartphones costing over a grand? Like, yeah. now we do, yeah. but it's going to take a while for people to accept anything over a thousand. Well, it's going to mm-hmm. have to be, like, 
I'm used to paying 500 bucks for a, a high end card, whereas it used to be 350 or something. Yeah, and if like wages were to start increasing by like five percent year over year, well, then that would change a lot. But <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's not happening yet, at least. And I think though, still, even if people get which wages are going up, but I think even if people make 30 percent more money, they're still going to look at a thousand dollars as a thousand dollars. We haven't gone through Weimar Republic inflation yet so yes you true. know any again even then i don't think it was a matter of oh it makes sense i'm paying i actually have a, a framed mark downstairs from that era i don't remember what it was i think it's a trintillion a quintillion i mean you know i don't think people go oh well i'll spend a quintillion dollar now i think they're just like i need bread <laughs> i think yeah in the weimar republic they were like well this is cheaper to burn than spend on heating so i guess i'll burn this money now <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like, I'm making a calculated decision to do this because of tomorrow's, yeah. Um, All right, let us then move on to B-Fish, because this this will kind of lead into the next one. Um, I'm going to skip around again, Dan, forgive me. Uh, He says, hi, Tom and Dan, question for you all about RDNA 3 product stack. With RDNA 2, there was a big gap in performance between the 6800 and the 6700 XT. Uh, I mean, there's like a 25% difference, was there not? 30? It wasn't absurd. Yeah, it was like a 50% big. difference. That's, a, that's pretty big for two products, though, I would say. I would agree, but the 30, the uh, the 30, 80, and the, I mean, the 1080 and the 1080 Ti were 35% apart. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the 10, I mean, this, uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I push back a little that there was a huge difference. The yeah, let me move on, though. He says, with Navi 31 being only the 7900 cards so far, I don't see how they're going to segment Navi 32 and 33 into 80, 70, and 60 class cards. They've had to put two of them on a die. Uh, they'll have to put two of them on a die, I suppose, with the 7800 XC and 7700 XC. There doesn't seem to be enough room to differentiate the tiers. Even if top Navi 33 is similar in performance to a 6800 and 1080p even, which I'd say is kind of the best case scenario at this point, it's better than NVIDIA, but not really great gen over gen uplift. Well, Beefish, I'm actually going to move on to story number four here, which is, because I actually make it a lot about a, uh, about a few things. RTX 4070 details leak. Uh, will, the, will Navi 32 destroy this? And so let me just write down the timestamp there. All right. So... Recently, I leaked 4070 Ti details in the live stream. Uh, The 4070 Ti launches January 5th. Reviews are January 4th. And the 4070 Ti, I'm not 100% sure yet. I probably will know within about a week. But you should think of the 4070 Ti as probably being a 4080 12 gigabyte, but with a 250 to 275 watt TDP, maybe with two to four SMs disabled, and almost certainly sold for 600 to 750 dollars at the beginning of January. The volume and supply information is still forthcoming. Stay tuned. But basically, I want to then compare if Navi 32 is likely to defeat this since we have the time this episode. So let's do an analysis here. Navi, if Navi 32 can compete well with the 4070 Ti. So if I divide the amount of CUDA cores in the 4070 Ti to the 4080, again, assuming it's basically just a 4080 12 gigabyte with a lower TDP, we are looking at 7,680 CUDA cores divided by 9,728, and then it's 504 gigabytes per second of bandwidth divided by 717. My rule of thumb for performance is, you know, 
teraflops if it's the same architecture teraflops difference plus bandwidth difference divided by two we should expect the 4070 ti to be 25 percent weaker than the 4080 uh which i believe is pretty close to what nvidia's own leak charts showed it you know maybe it was like 25 to 30 percent different now for navi 32 3840 divided by 5376 stream processors 640 gigabytes per second divided by 800 assuming you know there's no ram speed surprise and it is you know 256 bit versus 320 bit in the 7900 xt and we'll find the navi 32 should be 24 percent weaker than the 7900 xt so let's think about this then we know the 7900 xtx should be around 50 percent better than the 3090 ti and we know the 4080 is only about 20% better than the 3090 Ti. So AMD has the advantage here. If we take the 25% less than NVIDIA, 24% less than AMD, this comes to a point where the 7900 XT should be about the same, if not 5 to 10% better than the 4080. And then the top Navi 32 should be probably the same, if not 5 to 10% better than the 4070 Ti and raster. And again, this is assuming they don't use faster memory or higher clock speeds on Navi 32, which it's rumored they will. So I don't know. I would conclude that a lot of people are showing concern about this, but if they put, especially if they push clocks and uh, uh, memory speeds on Navi 32, I, I think the 7800 XT, if it used Navi 32, it would only be 20 to 25% weaker than the 7900 XT. That's a standard tiers difference in performance, wouldn't you agree, Dan? It'll beat the 4070 Ti. So with all of this in mind, at least based on the numbers I'm presenting here today, I think it would make sense for them to use Navi 32 for the 7800 XT. Um, Do you have any thoughts on this, Dan? You know, I. the only thing I could think... Hmm... The only thing I can think of the reason they wouldn't want to use the set, I, there's no real like rule or reason. Like maybe they'll just make a 7850 at some point that uses uh, Navi 31 or something. But I, I think as a, an initial launch, that seems fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because I think they like to release stronger models later on into their lineup, and I don't know if there will be really any room for Navi 32 to be much stronger than this theoretical 7800 XT. Mm -hmm. And could they make a yeah? Could they make a Navi 31 16 gigabyte card that is like 20% disabled down to like 72 CUs or something? They could, but that's only going to be about I think. Yeah, like 20, 10 to 20% better than this Navi 32 model that is a lot cheaper to make. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like eh, that sounds like maybe a a thing that they would release later in the generation, although I don't know. The the segmentation might yeah. just be this generation. There's a somewhat wide gap between the uh enthusiast and uh or high and mid-range mid -range this time around. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I don't know. That, let's also keep in mind what this would mean. Uh, I know that what they call the 7900 XT is what should I think should be called the 7800 XT. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they did charge less for it. They charged $900, even if they changed the name. <laughs> and so, I'm pretty sure Navi 32 costs a bit less to make than Navi 21. 
you know, it mm-hmm. has a decent amount less silicon, uses less energy, can have cheaper boards. And so I, I, I'm forced to conclude that this Navi 32 based 7800 XT 16 gigabyte, if this is what they do, this will be a card that is about 10% better than a 6950 XT with better ray tracing, a lot better ray tracing. And they could afford to charge probably 600 bucks for it, uh, 700 at most. Uh, you know, uh, we'll see where they price the 4070 Ti. I have my suspicions on where it's going to be. <laughs> but this means as much as you can complain they're using Navi 32 for the 800 XT class, it is going to end up being like 30% better than the 6800 XT while possibly having the same MSRP and using less energy. So... Yeah, you'll, people will make comparisons to 4080, 12 gigabyte, but it's not the same. And it is bringing more performance, better efficiency, much better ray tracing, same amount of memory to the same price point of the previous gen. It gets a pass by me, and I think it will trounce the 4070 Ti. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I I guess if they wanted to, there's still room to disable the, for, the Navi 31 more, but I don't know. I just uh, there right now there doesn't sound like there's really a reason they would need to do that unless they are on board with the AMD subsidy that has to be offered for the people to buy their cards. Yeah, and again, let's let us remember that the 7900 XT I believe is cut down by like 11% on a 300 millimeter square die. 5 nanometer has better yields than 7. I don't know how many of these dies that are like overall close to the size of a 3060 need to be cut down by 20%, guys. I really don't. Yeah. And they can always make a 7850 XT that is also 16 gigabyte based on Navi 31. That's always an option to do. And maybe that's what they will do if they want to launch something with 16 gigabytes before Navi 32 is ready for launch. Because that's the one thing I got to say is from, from what I'm hearing navi 32 isn't ready so Mm -hmm. uh, i think it's like late quarter one or something like uh, that's why that's the one thing that would make me go maybe they use navi 31 for the 7800 xt i don't know yeah uh, maybe and we'll see i i guess uh, to me that's just a matter of if there's enough yield or bad yield for them to be necessitate having uh a card this soon on navi 31 that's what disabled by like yeah, like assuming it's like I don't know seventy two C or something. What would that be like? Thirty percent almost. I mean, I did the math. I think the most you usually. Oh, that's right. I turned off my phones. <laughs> I think the the most you usually see a card cut down by even larger dies is like twenty five percent. Getting to forty percent becomes obsessive, yeah. So se- uh, excessive. Seventy two is twenty five percent. So seventy two would be the max. I think I would see it disabled then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I think, the most you should expect, and if that's where they would go down to, I don't know why you wouldn't instead just do a 60 CU Navi 32 and push the clocks up, because mm-hmm. the sound of it is Navi 32 can hit higher clocks than 31, so, alright, so if it hits higher clocks, we're we talking about like a 10-15% gap, but it costs more to make? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but, I, I kind of... Have, accidentally made most of this about navi 32 mostly because i've talked about the 4070 ti now in two pieces of content recently i didn't want to overdo mm-hmm. it with talking about that but any final thoughts on the 4070 ti it's launching january 5th it is going to be probably 95 to 99 percent the performance of what the 4080 12 gigabyte was going to be 
what price do you think it will hit? What are they going to do? I just, I'm just like, no one put a gun up to our heads here, people. We, you know, we're just talking about it. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to guess. It's like, how stupid are they going to be or how, how cocky are they going to try to be with pricing? Cause hopefully it's something like 700, but I could see them being cocky and trying to do pull $800 still. Well, and I believe that it probably breaks even around 500 bucks or something. So yeah, it's it, hard to say because we know what the 3080 was. This has more RAM than the 3080, about the same silicon cost, probably about the same board cost, mm-hmm. maybe a little cheaper boards. So I think with an NVIDIA markup, they would want to at least have it $600. Um, and usually the gap between 70 and 80 is 30 to 40% in pricing. If I multiply 0. 0.6 by 1200, I get to 720. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, and again, we know they're raising prices over Ampere. The 3070 Ti was 600. I'm just calling it. I, I think they're going to charge 649 to 749 because it's going to cost more than last gen, period. Yeah, that, that's probably a good prediction. Um, and and they'll, hopefully they'll have learned their lesson from the 4080 that you can't just go completely ridiculous with pricing. So hopefully 700 or something like that. But again, if this is 700 and the 7800 XT is similar performance, more RAM for 650, I mean, easy recommendation, 7800 XT, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I completely agree on that. This fall, where you're trying to stay warm and avoid scary activation fees for Windows software, consider using CDKeyOffer.com. CDKeyOffer.com is a long-term sponsor of Moore's Law's Dead and its community for any time anyone in this community needs legitimate Windows keys and doesn't feel like paying excessive monopolistic licensing fees to get access to them. But that's not all they offer either. They also have great deals on PlayStation, Steam, Origin, and Uplay keys and physical products like gaming chairs and keyboards as well. They are always running sales, but make sure you use the best code Codes possible provided for the Moore's Laws Dead community. Use the link in the description or on screen, and then use the code Broken Silicon to get 25% off Windows codes or die shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. This really does help Moore's Laws Dead when you use these keys and click these links, and it helps you pay reasonable prices for products that, let's face it, you just kind of need sometimes and you don't want to overpay for. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. But uh, all right, let us then move on, if I have this correct now, to story number five, RTX 3060 eight gigabyte reviewed by Hardware Unboxed. And all right, so on on Sunday, Steve at Hardware Unboxed reviewed the 3060 eight gigabyte for those of the uninitiated. This card is the same, uses the same GA106 configuration as the desktop 3060 12 gigabyte that has a 192 bit bus. But as the name would suggest, this model has only a 128 bit bus to accommodate only eight gigabytes of VRAM at the same speed. That's right. It's basically in between a 3050 and a 3060 in specs. And in performance, then it comes to 
you guessed it, in between a 3050 and a 3060 in performance, being 25% weaker than the standard 3060, and also often costing more than a new 6700 XT that absolutely trounces it. So, what is there more to say? This should have been called a 3050 Ti or a 3060 SE. They haven't launched a 50 Ti at desktop dance. It's ridiculous. But instead, it seems like NVIDIA has just decided to once again lie to consumers and Moore's laws that expects more odd models like this to appear as NVIDIA desperately finds uh, creative ways to dump Ampere stock onto the market over the next three months. So, you know, this has been rumored for a while. I've already, I think, pointed out on the last die shrink, which is, of course, up only for patrons that on NVIDIA's official website, they even list the 3068 gigabyte and so on. It's out, and it is, I don't know, I don't know, I, I never know what I'm really expecting out of this type of a thing. I'm always like, who knows, maybe it'll only be 10%, 15% worse. Maybe it has more bandwidth than it needs. Nope, it needed the bandwidth. It was only 192, but it is 25% weaker. Well, uh, I think in some scenarios, 30 or so uh, it, percent. I think it's an important caveat. Uh, it, it, it gets to like 30% weaker. I think the averages were closer to like 15% weaker for the 3060. But Were they? Yeah. Am I misremembering here? Well, let me pull up. They, I think there's a big th- story here, th- problem with what they're doing, though, uh, with the 3068 gigabyte where, and hardware unboxed hammer this home. They're not really like distinguishing the 3068 gigabyte and 12 gigabytes like on their boxes or anything. So to the... I wouldn't even say like the untrained eye or something like I could see a person that knows what they're doing accidentally getting an eight gigabyte model. He did show that in the video. The boxes look the same. They are, they're almost hiding that it was a gigabyte. Yeah, that's and that's ridiculous. Like I, I, I expect NVIDIA to have a better advertising than the um, I don't know, a shady deal on Craigslist. Yeah. Um, Brett Summers writes in, he says, Tom and Dan, do you think the 3068 gigabyte will receive the same backlash as the 4080 gigabyte? I agree with hardware and box conclusions. It is incredibly anti-consumer and arguably has the same issue as the 4080 16 and 4080-12 gig. Different tiers of performance, will the name suggests it's the same with less VRAM. I take this as NVIDIA has not learned their lesson from that debacle. This really should have come out at a lower price point and been named the 3050 Ti. Yeah, it should have been. $300, 3050 Ti, but it isn't. Um, I'm going to give my answer first. No, it will not because people don't care about these cards anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a uh, product line on the that's seeing its way out the door. This is just them trying to get rid of some of that, that stock that they need to get rid of and saving some money by buying four gigabytes less of RAM. Uh, and they're doing it in the most shady way possible by not decreasing the price seemingly for the 8-gigabyte model, which is insane. <laughs> just it's just not a surprise, though, coming out of NVIDIA. No, like- and no, it's not going to receive the same degree of backlash because this is like a quiet launch. And maybe that means it should receive more backlash, but that's, that's how... Uh, that's how this market works or that's how every market works like the new hot ticket item is the thing that gets all the attention and the old crap is just there and they hope that they can get it out without having anybody really talk about it Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is really to say about this. Um, I don't think it's as bad as the 4812 gigabyte because those were different dies and like 25 to 30% away. And you're right, you know, it, it, I looked it up. Um, let me see here. So like if I pull out the trusty calculator app mm. here, we are looking at 67 divided by, this is in 1440p, which I think these are, should That's be able fair. to do 1440p. Yeah, it's like, 15 to 16% weaker. So you're right. It's not 25%. It does get up to there, uh, above there in a couple games. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is this. They, they really started doing this mostly. The first notable one I can think of was like the 1063 gigabyte. But I believe they just disabled like the minimum amount of SM's difference. And their argument was, look, we do have yields that are slightly worse. We don't want to turn all of these into some 1050 Ti thing. So we're launching the three gigabyte model. It's like 5% worse. If it's a less than a 10% difference, I don't care that much as long as it's the same die, although you could argue that shouldn't matter. As long <laughs> as it's within 5 to 10%, yeah, below 10% difference, I kind of get the whole memory difference thing. But when it's two different... When, it, when it's like a full tiers difference, it's pretty screwed up. Yeah, it, this is, it's, it's like this it, This thing is closer to a 3050 than to a 3060, isn't it? Or I think it's like squarely in the middle okay. because it has okay. one of its specs is the same with the 3050. One of them is not, <laughs> which again, is illustrates why when I was doing my math comparing Navi 32 to the 4070 Ti, my scratch math for a performance difference in the same architecture is teraflops difference or should i really well yeah i do core difference but teraflops difference plus bandwidth difference divide by two and if you do that here it gets to pretty close to 15 yeah uh it, I, I just don't think there's much else to be said than this is bad and you know i'll just to uh paraphrase like what steve said in that review like this is borderline a scam and i, I agree <laughs> yeah um i mean if yeah, it'd be it would it would be almost like if amd had the 6710 gigabyte and they just call it the 6700 xt 10 gigabyte just call it a 3050 ti <laughs> nvidia you have the room in the lineup <laughs> it would be like if they called it the 6700 xt and then on the boxes in a corner it said 10 gigabytes really small with an asterisk on it well and of course there she is she finally showed up jesse just she decided to, to sit next to me to barrel in she made a really adorable like baby rabbit noise when she on there <laughs> all right let us move on to the final story which we don't need to dwell on for that much here but i thought it would be fun to acknowledge it dan moore's law is dead hit 150,000 subscribers i mean Yay. it's and the, I, the only thing i'll say off the bat is uh I just remember when all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was hit 7970 <laughs> subscribers. And I thought, man, if someday I hit 100,000, that'd be awesome. Maybe this wouldn't be a hobby. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, all I can say is that's about, it's about 15 times more subscribers than I would ever would have expected in like 2019. Or I guess I don't, yeah, 2019 probably. But I don't know. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm trying to like see what lights I can mess with here for like a party thing, but I don't want to cause seizures. So okay, so I can oh, I can adjust the speed. This should be just enough, maybe. Oh, that's too much. Maybe we'll leave it here for the party lights. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I remember when I <clears throat> the channel really got going. 
Um, I remember hitting a hundred, then five hundred, then a thousand subs was oh, it was crazy. I was like, oh my god, I can even have YouTube ads on my videos. <laughs> and then we started the podcast in 2019, halfway through the year, and then Gerard showed up like I can do this, and now he's like editing full podcast videos and like directly uploading and helping with like half of the content. And now we have a renderer, Jean-Philippe, that I'm hoping to add to the thank you part of the podcast soon. And he's helped out with several leaks now. And I don't know. We'll see. We're at we're at a point, though, where it it is crazy. You know, you just look around at video cards or WCCF tech or like even like Tom's hardware and tech power up. And I've noticed that once a week, kind of some tweet or a piece of content we put out gets mentioned mm-hmm. as part of the news. It, it's weird. You know, <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Yeah, it's. A, I, I don't know. It's a really big. Don't die. I know it's weird, but don't <sighs> let it kill you. It's a really big landmark. I mean, especially because th- for a little bit, I think the subscriber growth stagnated a bit, and this year it kind of blew up again. So, eh, that's really cool to see. And you know, I don't know what else to say. I guess the the next big. We'll see uh, how much the channel keeps growing. You know. Yeah, and I think, like, in terms of, like, what more allows us to do is it just the bigger we get, the less we really care about how well each individual piece of content does because we know we're getting enough to pay my bills, your bills, Gerard's bills, and it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. anymore. Like, and I think we're kind of almost there, but, like, if we get to... The one thing I think about is, though, if we got above 200,000, we would start to get the coverage, I think, where... When we point out one of these companies as lying, they kind of have to pay attention to us. Yeah. And if we could get that big, I mean, guys, you know, think about, thank God, like Gamers Nexus and Hardware Unbox and sometimes Linus Tech Tips, like call out these companies and have them actually respond to them. But imagine with how much little shit we put up with, like we don't do any fluff pieces, like if they just couldn't ignore what we were reporting, I, that's where I think I think you see real benefits to the community, though. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to agree with us. You don't always have to like what our opinion is. But we, I think we've certainly proven that if we have a problem with something these companies are doing, we say it. Yeah. And if we were as big as, even even a third as big as some of these huge com- uh, uh, they are companies, some of them <laughs> now, but some of these YouTubers that, man, they just couldn't ignore like the coverage they they couldn't ignore they couldn't ignore when they're pulling uh, trying to pull a fast one on consumers eh, yeah i know i mean it's even happened to a little bit already so <laughs> yeah I, yes it has which yeah but um let's see ox helios writes and says hi tom and dan my podcast app pocket cast just had a spotify like year wrap recap that there's a tongue twister year year wrap recap say that 10 times fast he says and this was by far my most listened to podcast according to pocket cast congrats guys on the great job the quality of this channel has greatly improved since i joined in 2020 we both agree on that <laughs> this is an amazing community to be a part of as well i tried to attach an image let me see of the hours i spent but i couldn't get it to work so you'll just have to trust me i, I believe you i believe you that you listen to the podcast for many hours and we thank all of our listeners on that um let me see here. Maybe we should have made this the last thing we talk about, but mm-hmm. yeah, we still have the wrap up. So <laughs> let us now get in to the wrap up. These are the final stories uh, that don't deserve getting their own story, but we be- believe deserve an honorable mention. Um, I thought this was interesting, Dan. 600 hertz laptop panels are apparently coming. 
You know, I've never seen a 600 hertz monitor. I'd love to see if I could reasonably tell the difference between that and like 120 or 240 hertz. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest that I've seen, or biggest, I think the, I've seen way bigger. I've seen, you know, how many, I've seen 100 inch monitors, uh, TVs, but no, for the fastest refresh rate I've seen, I believe was like 360 hertz or something at a gaming convention uh, a year ago um and i have to say going from like 180 to 240 hertz is where i i think i do just like kind of stop seeing it <laughs> like i'm not saying i couldn't tell the difference between 200 and 120 i definitely could but it stopped being that obvious and things like ghosting and like at a certain point it's just like how how good is this monitor at even showing that refresh rate that fast that makes sense at all but yeah i don't know i guess this is the same company that already has a 500 hertz gaming panel and now they're making a 600 hertz window laptop the one thing i will say is i actually i don't get who needs a 600 hertz display on a laptop he's wasting energy elite gamers on the go <laughs> i don't think that i think it's an oxymoron there um <laughs> like I, I always see this like thing of like 360 hertz 1080p laptop display and it's like could you just make it 4k 120 so i'm not wasting triple the frames in desktop guys or like this just seems like a waste of battery life uh, maybe allegedly not to mention what laptop cpu is hitting 600 hertz i don't know i thought it's mentionable because it is cool to see us hitting 600 hertz i have no doubt that by I don't know why I'm putting it this way, but I think that's kind of how we should think about it in terms of technology echelons. By the end of this console generation, um, that we will we'll have 480 hertz monitors yeah. fairly regularly. I think by Blackwell, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you will not be using Lovelace to power them. All right, let us move on to the next story here. The RTX 6048 gigabyte, the card for some reason Nvidia is using the same name for versus the Ampere variant. It's finally out. The drivers are out, and I think they're shipping. So I don't. I doubt that I will get my hands on one anytime soon, but I did manage <laughs> to get my hands on an A6000 before and was very impressed. I would be really curious to see how this performs compared to my 4090, uh, considering it has a 300-watt TDP. But I think we know now, actually, with the extra CUDA cores, it'll probably perform the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Here's one that uh, I think is definitely worth mentioning here. Need for Speed requires a BIOS update to not have flickering issues or something. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, that sounds... Have they said what the... Uh, no, they're not going to say what the issue is, I guess, but that's... the. You have to do a BIOS update to your 4090 to not have issues on Need for Speed. Now, recently, I believe they updated this so that you can also update your motherboard instead or something. That's so weird. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. I did it while I was preparing the notes for this podcast this afternoon. I, I literally just downloaded the tool oh. and just while I was typing, did it. it. It turned off two of the monitors, only activated my middle one, showed updating 4090, finished all other monitors, turned back on and it was done. No issues whatsoever. So okay. all I can say is that's weird, but you don't even need to reboot your pc to get it to work no okay i, I don't know it very weird though um and then again uh and speaking of one more weird thing we have the titan x engineering sample with only two display outs that at first everyone including me thought was a scam because this <laughs> happens people bios flash a i mean often a 1050 
Yeah, like what? What's a common scam they would do? It'd be like they take a, a like a ten fifty four gigabyte or like a, honestly a GT seven thirty four gigabyte DDR three, and then they'll find something and uh, they would call it like what's a four gigabyte card? I don't know, right? They call it some four gigabyte model, like a five seventy. I don't think they work because it'd be Nvidia, but and the, for the AMD, I guess a good example. They'd take like a five fifty. And they'd call it a 570 in BIOS flash. It's a tech power-ups. GPU Z says 550, <laughs> but then it only shows like a fourth the specs. That didn't happen with this. And it's been confirmed that this is just a Titan X engineering sample with a Titan X engineering sample cooler that for some reason only has two video outs. Um. Well, it's funny because like he objectively has a kind of worse card, but at least it's unique. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's weird. I did not catch how much he paid for this, though. Like, that's the one thing I want to know. Like, if he paid, like, 100 bucks, I guess it's like, eh, it'll beat a 6500 XT in performance, so I guess there you go. But if he paid, like, 300 400 bucks, I go, I don't, you're just getting a 12, you're just getting worse than a 3060 for 3060 <laughs> pricing. Um, I guess there's probably a few apps that use it better, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, let us now move on to the final reader mails. Rafa Zaya writes in and he says, if you had a company making CPUs and could choose one architecture to build with, would you want AMD's chiplets or Intel's combo of E and P cores? Both. Well, yeah, both. <laughs> if I, But they're going to be both. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, well, I guess, you know what? Okay, so I can't, for some reason, I arbitrarily can't have two core types, yeah. chiplets. Yeah, I would choose chiplets because uh, look how many products you can make with a single design, essentially. I mean, we had an Intel engineer on, and he said, he's he directly just admitted, I'm envious what they can do with chiplets. They can literally <laughs> make one design, spend a third as much as us on design costs, and just have the same chiplets for everything, uh, everything server and consumer. So... The Intel engineer seemingly thought chiplets, so <laughs> I'm going to go with chiplets. Um, Pessimistin writes in and says, is there any words on new and upcoming VR hardware from reputable, reputable companies that respects their users' privacy more than Meta does? I've been considering Steam Index, but that tech is getting old, and that doesn't ship that any product to my country. I mean, I think Steam's got a new headset coming out next year. Yeah, so that, if you want to wait, you know. Is there one officially announced by them, or no? No, it's okay. just like me, and sadly, it's Bradley have talked about it. Okay. Now, that'll uh, come out. I mean, Vive makes stuff still, right? <laughs> no one talks about them. And then there's also uh, Pimax um, uh-huh. that, I don't know, I haven't tried it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, the, look, the major players are, honestly, PlayStation and Meta, if we're, if we're being completely honest. Those are the two major players. And then after that, it's probably going to be Steam and Apple. And then after that, Beeve and uh, Pimax. So not really. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I looked at to see what Vive had to offer. I think they're still doing some of the annoying crap that you have to put around. They mm-hmm. have a new one, although it's mostly for media s- streaming and stuff. The, uh, uh, what is it called? The, the, the Vive Flow which the form factor looks interesting. So hopefully they adapt that to actually work for gaming at some point. But 
That's yeah, I guess it. the one thing I would say about Meta is I've talked to people know because I've done leaks involving it, several Meta engineers about working at the company and what their goals are right now. And I know some people will go, well, they're biased to say this. And it's like, no, some of them left the company or uh, some of them also definitely told me things they weren't supposed to tell me. So, no, uh, I don't think that they're just biased towards Meta. They, a lot of these engineers don't care. Like some of my sources I've had for Sony leaks work at new companies now. And some of the companies that some of the developers that actually worked at outside companies now work at Sony. These companies, these people tend to work at these companies because they have a good job they enjoy more so than they believe in some ethos. Uh, and what they tell me is that Meta really is kind of slowly moving away from the data stuff. Okay. Granted, Facebook used to be the worst at it, but their opinion and what they tell me, Mark Zuckerberg seems to think is this is not going to last forever, that Facebook does not own any operating systems, that face, well, besides maybe their own, uh, on the Meta Quest, but, and Facebook knows that people have VPNs, sometimes VPNs in the routers, that this is a losing battle trying to only make money from people's data, uh, if that they need to pivot towards other things. And that's why they have renamed their company. So all I can say is as much as they definitely use your data, I mean, everyone does, dude. And I don't think they actually see that as their be-all, end-all goal anymore. I genuinely do not believe they do. Mm -hmm. So if that makes you feel any better, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But yes, the top one's Meta and Sony, and Sony uses your data too, for sure. Steam does too, though, guys. I don't know. Yeah, everyone does. So what I would say is Meta's probably worse than them, but... I wouldn't assume they're trying to do anything evil with it. And they've actually disabled needing to sign in with Facebook, I believe, anyway. So they're removing mm-hmm. some of those requirements. Um, Brett Summers writes and he says, Hello, Tom, and possibly Danny Boy. What is the state of AAA releases? I'm mentioning this because of the awful release of the Callisto Protocol. These aren't inexperienced developers here, nor did the people working on Callisto lack funding. And it's a stuttering mess. Uh, thanks, Unreal Engine 4 CPU issues. I've had devs directly tell me Unreal Engine 4 has some real CPU issues actually with stuttering. But it goes, and is inconsistent at best across PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. This seems to be the norm nowadays for some to just every now and then games don't work well. Do you think that this issue primarily stems in AAA gaming because so many people just rush in and buy AAA games only? I rarely see these level of issues on indie or AAA or AA devs uh, games. Oh, those indie games. Oh my God, State state of Decay would like to have a word with you. He says, what gives, are we destined to have subpar technical experiences in the AAA space as the norm? No, right now I can play God of War on a console at 90 hertz and it's gorgeous looking. Whatever the actual resolution is, it looks better than a lot of games I play in 4K on my 4090. uh, And with God of War, I don't know. I can say what, I played two, I can say there's a bit, was one weird graphical thing that i saw once in the game and that's about it but mm-hmm. <laughs> where for some reason uh in one area the water was rendered at two different area adjacent areas so like there was just like oh. a thing like this for some reason it's in the rocky area yeah <laughs> yeah i think i saw that yeah so you know nothing's perfect but it's that, that that's a very minor issue that i probably wouldn't have noticed if i didn't happen to turn one direction at one point <laughs> and, and some people have said the new call of duty runs bad on nvidia but oh, my 4090 oh, yeah. granted not a weak card but my 4090 runs it fine i'd say my 3060 ran it 
I mean, 2060 laptop ran it weaker than I would want it to be, but it runs it in my 3050 runs it. Okay. You have a 6700 XT. It runs fine on yours. So we've tested it on three NVIDIA cards and one AMD card and it runs fine. Battlefield 2042 continues to be very schizophrenic and which update runs well right now. It seems to run well. Last update sucked. Actually, no, this, no, they still have that new mouse raw input issue. Um, so I don't know. It's a bit all over the place. I don't think it's AAA specifically. That, I think Callisto Protocol, they just didn't do a good job programming it for some reason. And I will say this, Unreal Engine 5 seems to kind of suck mm. compared to uh, 3 and 5 in terms of stability from what developers have told me. Yeah, and, and as far as what the issue is, it's been a problem for a while where re- uh, some releases are just terrible at launch. And I think that's because a mix of they have they can go back and update a game so if it doesn't come out in perfect shape it doesn't matter that much at the end of the day as long as reviewers don't get too mad and say don't buy this the performance is terrible uh and other and uh i think there's they have these compressed timelines sometimes or Games are getting more complicated. Well, this just came out in December, right? Yeah, or games are getting more complicated to develop, and they miss crap. Right. So this came. So I think let's think about this. Cyberpunk Callisto Protocol. These came out in December to probably meet meet some fiscal year thing. You see a December release. They're not always bad. There. I think there was a Need for Speed like decade like years ago that came out in December ran perfectly. They said we just needed a month for polish. But I think when you see December releases, that's a red flag that they've begged and pleaded with their funders. When's the latest we can release this? And they're always like, first week of December, any later, and we're missing holiday sales. Mm -hmm. And uh, they probably should have just delayed this to February, so it worked well. Yeah, and I don't know. Hope. I'm sure it will be updated and fixed over time, and the people that get it early suffer and reviewers are probably panning it to an extent because they needed to fulfill some financial obligation and the game suffered unfortunately because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to anyone who says this is a triple a thing, I think it's more glaring because of how much money they have. It's like, how can you let this happen? But the money can become its own issue because then they have to get it out by a specific time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. State of Decay ran like such dog shit, uh, and it still does. And I don't even know what's going on at that studio. Um, I'm trying to think of. Let me pull up in my Steam library here, like other games that I've had that have. Or Deep Rock always worked well. Don't Starve worked well. The Forest ran pretty terribly for a while there. Um, no Man's Sky ran well, just lacked content, according to most people. Like. Chivalry ran really well. There's an indie game, arguably. Bannerlord, it's up to what you think, but I think we can agree Bannerlord generally worked well. Yeah, uh, uh, when I first played it, the resolution scaling was just hilariously bad. bad. <laughs> but it ran fine, you know, and I've seen that in triple. Yeah, so I don't think there's a suggestion here that like all indie or not games run good or bad, really. I think you just have different reasons an indie game runs bad and different reasons a AAA game runs bad, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that for <laughs> for the budgets they have, though, you would think AAA, it wouldn't be a tie. You'd think they should be doing better. I will give that to Brett Summers. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's uh, that's 
all we got for this episode, Dan. Uh, I want to thank you, of course, for coming on and for everybody for listening. Uh, remember, double check that you're subscribed to the Moore's Law is Dead YouTube channel and ring that bell button. YouTube does unsubscribe you sometimes. Let's get to 200,000. Thank you to all of those who have already subscribed, though, that got us here. Like this, share this. Uh, subscribe to more, uh, Broken Silicon on your podcast app of choice. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us get listeners from different avenues than YouTube. And support us on Patreon. Yeah. $2 gets you the last die shrink for free. No ads. Ask me and Dan, ask guest questions. Get access to the Discord. $4 gets you Broken Silicon early ad free. Ask me and Dan questions every episode. Loose ends free questions. Uh, thank you in the credits. Then there's higher tiers for even more thank yous and content. So there's a lot there for just like, like not even a, not even a, the cost of a cup of coffee yeah. a month. So we can't do this without our patrons. This is what gives us so much bargaining power to with sponsors and stuff to know. Hey, if we don't secure a lot of sponsors this month, who cares? We're always going to be able to pay the bills. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, one more time. I'm rambling. I'm tired. I need to start dinner. I'm annoyed at the technical issues we had before this. <laughs> but uh, thanks once again, everybody, for listening. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, AV, Anthony Greffa, Greg Patecki, Muhammad Akwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Shredbird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Harrod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Great T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB, 
Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valcom Alev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spantum G Spantum, Jonathan Lord Starstream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederic, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cock. Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lavoy, Hartforum.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Basser, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stephen Hartz, David Sebastian, Mead and Pork Stew, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jess Kowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanny and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ajani, Patrick Grove, Amiable Chief, Brett Summers, Milton, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDaffy, Domain Peterson, James Anderson, Mark Scholl Pierce, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Narithiel, Matthew Landavaza, Stefan, Golatic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pelt, D31337 Antics, Joseph Kelly, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jeremy Ferriere, Mayor Keith Moore, Kita Abdul Kadar, Precision, DNA Tech, Nicholas Alexandra, John O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushpaw, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Neith Rezink, Mean Dean, Cal, Andre Jacques, Game and Sense Reagan, Jeff Seller, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Windstar, William Welby, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Nalima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelfin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, Shea, Julian Leaked, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, John Iverson, Samuel Park, Aaron, The Eternal Dreamers, Jansen Angima, Mark Central, Derek Lambie, Michael, Forz and Forrest, Kim, Kim Sagung, Robert Davidson, Space Channel 5, Beer Motor, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs> 